What's up, everybody? Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy here. Thank you all for tuning in today. We got a nice little NBA playoff preview coming on up today. And of course, joining me on the SBNY Podcast, my two main guys, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani. How are we doing? The playoffs are here, boys. Chilling, bro. I'm ready. I'm ready for this weekend. Making sure I get all my sleep. Staying up all weekend, baby. Let's go. And Frank, before I get to you, Duff, I was telling you before we started recording, I mean, it is a big weekend for you and people of your type. I mean, obviously you're a big NBA guy. It's a big deal. But it's Thrones weekend. The hype is is getting super duper, super duper real. Are you a little nervous the hype has gotten too high? I'm I'm nervous that I might have a heart attack because I'm so excited. I'm nervous that I won't even get there. It it really is crazy. Like it's it's a lot. Like I, I, I can't remember a show in our lifetime with this much anticipation, especially in the Netflix era, I'll call it, you know? In the streaming yeah. era in the streaming era to have a show with this much anticipation is really it's it's crazy. And if it doesn't live up to the hype, it could be tragic i think i don't know i'm not a i'm not watch your mouth you watch your damn mouth i'm just saying i mean we were talking about it before don't act like you didn't have the similar uh thought process to what i just said there no i know well anyways this is not a a game of thrones podcast this is a sports podcast new york sports podcast and today an nba podcast because we got a lot of stuff to talk about we got playoffs they're starting on saturday we're gonna go series by series we're gonna hit them all we're gonna talk about it but also before we get to that We're going to talk about um, a little breaking news in the league, which there seems to be all the time, some stuff we didn't get to yet, and also our final thoughts on the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, um, and if I missed one, Sixth Man of the Year as well. But Frank, I didn't say what up to you, man. How you doing? I'm chilling, brother. How we doing? Dude, I mean, we go through this all year. Loving NBA action. And then the tournament starts. The NBA kind of takes a little back burner to college for the first time in the year. And it's weird. Then it's like, all right, let's just get to playoffs. Like, we need we need some more meaningful basketball up in here. Obviously, we had some really big games where playoff implications were very real. But now we finally made it. The year-long 82-game grind is over. The games are now about to matter a whole lot more. So I'm doing great, Frank, to answer shortly there at the end. I mean, I couldn't agree more, man. I've been waiting for this for a little while now. Uh, it didn't It didn't get stale. And that's, not, that's not what I'm going to say, but it got a little stale for me just because... <laughs> it didn't uh, get stale, but it definitely it got stale. It didn't. It didn't. It only did for me because, like, I, I just, I don't know, I've been starving for some Nick success, and I kind of just had to, like, look out of the side of my eye and watch the Nets do it in New York. So it kind of, I don't know, like, you know, like, it didn't feel all too great for me personally as a Knicks fan down the stretch, but I'm ready to like clear that all. It doesn't matter now. Cause that's all over. We might have the number one pick, whatever. Uh, I'm just ready to watch, you know, the best go at it. For sure. Know? Well, for Knicks fans, the important date here is May 14th. That is the night of the draft lottery. So May 14th, mark it on your calendars, buy your vodka, your tequila, your red wine, whatever you drink when you're either, you know, really sad or maybe really happy. Have both ready. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be one or the other. You're either going to be ecstatic or you're going to want to drink yourself into oblivion. Yeah, So just be ready, May 14th. But we're not here to talk about the Knicks. We're here to talk about some real important basketball. But Duff, there's two things we didn't talk about, and uh, I think we got to just mention something about it. And first off, Magic Johnson. 
Do we want to give a quick take on that? Like, is it too late? I'm kind of sick of hearing about it already. I mean, it's only two days since it happened, and I'm already like, all right, like, you know, it's fagazi. It's kind of random. It's some people are calling it calling it cowardly. It's definitely strange. How are you feeling? Give me give me a quick take here on this Magic Johnson situation. Yeah, I'll just say a few things because I'm also pretty sick and tired of it. Um, it's the way he talks about it so matter-of-factly, like he doesn't want to do it at all and he wasn't enjoying himself. And this, that, and the third. It's just don't take the job. Like don't take the job. Why are you even bothering? Like d- did you really think this was going to be something you were going to be good at? Like, you know, Magic is an icon and everyone loves him and they always will. I'm sure he'll find a way to get back in people's good graces, but he's about himself. And that's fine, but just, you know, be that guy. Don't don't try to, you know, carry a franchise from the inside uh, and and try to orchestrate things. That's not what you're about. You want to go out there and play your role. You've never been the the person to to orchestrate or to be a, a leader of men in the sense that, you know, Pat Riley was the guy that people always look to on those Lakers team or or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the guy they literally called Cap, like captain. So he shouldn't have taken the job in the first place. I doubt he even ever read the collective bargaining agreement one time. I, if he opened it up once, I would I'd be shocked. Um, so it was a coward move for him not to say anything to Genie Bus before he just went to the media scrum like randomly. Um, it, it's just it's disappointing. Like it's it's of it's Phil Jackson esque. It's not quite that bad, but. Yeah. It's, it's close. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was kind of making a parallel from Magic to Phil. And I was trying to preface it with, it's not nearly as destructive from like a salary cap standpoint or to a maybe future standpoint. And yes, he did get LeBron, and Phil did not get LeBron. Like, I get it. But it's in the similar ilk. Like, there's similarities to the two. The only difference is, I don't know if Magic decided himself or somebody told him you can't do this, but he didn't sign these guys to long-term deals. Other than that, the the team-building aspect between Phil and Magic aren't that different. Obviously, it's much worse. I'm not trying to say it's the same. Much worse to give Joe Kim Noah four years than it is to give Contavious Colwell-Pope a lot of money for one and to sign JaVale and Lance and Rondo and Beasley and think that's a good team to put around LeBron. Obviously, the one-year deals makes it a lot better. But like you said, and like I'm saying here, it's in the similar vein to what Phil kind of did, where it's just not trying that hard, not fully understanding what the job takes, and frankly, not really wanting it as bad as uh, you may have thought you did. And that's that's really how I feel. Frank, you have anything to add? Because I want to get off this quick. Uh, no, I mean, you guys kind of hit on the, all the points that I was going to say. It kind of sucks that he just left them out to dry. I thought the interview that he gave to the press was like honestly comical. It made me laugh. Um, the way he was like saying how like they were talking about next year and I was shaking my head saying I'm not gonna be here next year like that made me laugh but uh yeah I mean besides that not much to add just it was just strange it really was um and now it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Luke Walton with Rob Polenka who's the next guy coming in for them could it be a blessing in disguise I think it might I just hope for the sake of the Lakers that they hire somebody who is very strong-willed, has strong opinions, going to stick to them, and is going to put in the work as well. And maybe that's Polinka. We really don't know. We really don't know if that's him or not. So we'll see if it's David Griffin or if they're going to uh, snag Bob Myers out of the Golden State's 
uh, front office. That seems a little unlikely for me, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But sticking in California real quick before we finalize some of our award uh, predictions, Dave Yeager fired in Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings, who outperformed their Vegas over-under by 13 games. Their head coach was just fired by Vladi Divac, who was just extended to continue to run the Sacramento Kings front office. Very strange. We loved the Kings all year. We we talked about them on this podcast as a team that was exciting, that was going to make some noise, and they did just that. Had breakout seasons from Duran Fox, Marvin Bagley, strong season. Buddy healed amazing season. Their coach seemed to have something to do with that, and yet there he goes. Dave Yeager gone again. What the hell is going on in Sacramento, and is there something wrong with Dave Yeager, or what's going on? I don't know, man. It really puzzles me because uh, in my mind, I really do believe that he's a good coach. Um, you know, everywhere he goes, they seem to outperform expectations. And you, you hit on it in the intro, like your intro to this question pretty much. But all those young guys they needed to hit on started hitting this year. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe he's billed as a developmental guy and maybe D-Box sees this team turning the corner but I don't know man I feel like you got to give the guy a chance at least like they before the season I'd be surprised if you know anybody picked them as a playoff contender really uh and they did that they got all, almost all the way there so um it's it's just mind-boggling to me and I feel bad for Dave Yeager I'm sure he doesn't want the pity but uh yeah the the most important thing a coach can do with a young team is to get everyone to buy in and play together and just play hard every night and compete. Like that's the hardest thing to do is to, is to make young players understand how hard you have to compete each and every night in this, what we're finding out to be probably too long 82 game season that, that is there every year for every team. And that's what he did. Like the first game of the season, they were playing the jazz. I, I remember texting you. I mean, I don't know what this is, but the Kings play with some balls. Like, they really give a shit out on the court, and it was exciting to watch. They became the league pass darling for, for everyone who was, like, a real, like, league pass head out there, including us. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know where this is coming from. It seems like he rubs people the wrong way. That that could be it. I mean, he made some kind of offhand remark, possibly, about how Luka Doncic was this great player and awesome prospect and – way ahead of the curve and meanwhile he's got Marvin Bagley sitting on the bench just kind of like all right dude like talk about your mans for a second um who is having a pretty strong rookie year nonetheless right so I you know it it can't be performance related that's the thing so so what is it that that's the big question I mean this is just kind of classic NBA now where it's not really about the basketball it's about what's going on behind the scenes and uh, things we can only speculate about unless it eventually gets leaked. But I, I'm I'm disappointed because it would have been fun to see this team grow together, and now he's got to bounce around to wherever else and try to figure something out. But if I'm a team that's got an opening, I'm looking at Dave Yeager for sure. The interesting part, and that's exactly what I was going to say before we move on, is now that Dave Yeager is on the market and people are still expecting Luke Walton to be let go from the Lakers, people are saying... Oh, Lakers, Jaeger. Like, that could be the guy. Maybe not Ty Lue. You've done that, been there, done that with LeBron. Uh, maybe not uh, Brian Shaw, who's already on the bench for the Lakers. Maybe Dave Yeager's that guy. He obviously can coach in-game basketball. 
And then the report comes out from Mark Stein that the Kings would be intrigued by Luke Walton if he is the free market. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, they're just going to trade coaches? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think Luke Walton's a bad fit for Sacramento. I don't think Jaeger's technically a bad fit for L.A., but the fact that they would both fire their coaches and then just swap them is insane. It just, I don't know. I wouldn't even know what to say about that. He seems like a more outgoing version of Brad Stevens where he, he's the type of dude who can do more with less, kind of like Brad Stevens, Doc Rivers. I can't see him coaching a guy like LeBron James, especially LeBron James, who seems to really like when his coaches take a bit of a back seat and just kind of say, hey, this is who I need around me. This is the best way to do it. Stay out of my way. You know, you figure out defense. I got the offense. And that doesn't seem like something Jaeger would take too kindly to. But again, on the flip on the flip side, like you said about Luke Walton, I mean, last year he did a really good job of getting the young guys to buy in towards the end of the season, uh, and they played they played well together. I mean, they weren't winning a lot of games, but again, if you don't have that superstar to carry you in the fourth quarter, it's tough to do in this league. So, I like Luke to Sacramento. I don't like Jaeger to L.A., but uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe Dave Jaeger to the Suns. Possibly. Your son's the Suns? That would actually make My sense. My son's the Suns. I would love to have him with Devin Booker. Have them playing hard, uh, which is important. That's so important. And we're not going to talk about this too much today. Maybe we will when we get to the magic, because I think it's relevant for them. Uh, but there's that thing with teams that haven't had success or who have been, quote, tanking, where all you really want out of their coach and their players is to where they look like they care look like they want to win, even if they're not good enough to win. It happened with Brett Brown and the Sixers. We all watched it. It happened with Atkinson and the Nets, and we all watched it up close. We've been here since they were terrible. And now, it might be happening with Fizz and the Knicks. It hopefully is happening with Fizz and the Knicks. I'm seeing some signs of it, not a ton of signs in the first year, but we'll see next year. And I think it just happened with the Magic this year. It's Steve Clifford. They gave a crap. They wanted to win. And there is something to making the playoffs because then when your players get better, they know what it's like to win. They know what it's like to need to try and win. And when you have a team that's just, quote, tanking, 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 it may not even matter if their talent uh, hits in the draft. If they don't know how to win and don't play hard and don't have a coach pushing them, it's never going to come to fruition. And that could happen with the Suns. That's in potential for the Suns to just have talent and never figure it out. So they need a coach to make sure they push it and play some real defense. Anyways, I digress. We're going to get into some of the other teams as we move out through the playoff preview. Um, but this is a Sports Blog New York podcast. Pete County, John Gustafi, Frank Villani. We're here. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud. If you're listening to us, you found us somewhere. So go find us on wherever you listen to those podcasts. Give us a little rating, five stars, review, whatever you want to do. We always keep a look, uh, an eye on those. Love hearing from you guys. And, of course, our friends at Team Left Jab Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Everywhere you listen podcast, Team Left Jab Radio Network. They also post our show. Shouts to them for sharing uh, sharing the show. I mean, what else to say? Great great stuff out of Team Left Jab. Without further ado, we have some awards here in the NBA this year that there doesn't seem to be a clear-cut winner. I think, let's uh, say with sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, right? It's Lou Williams. He's the best... I mean- scorer possibly best player on a playoff team i think he might be the only shoe-in or the closest to a shoe-in maybe luka Doncic for rookie year as well but we're talking mvp we're talking defensive player of the year and there's some toss-ups there's some debates to be had so we're gonna have it and frank you wanted to jump in there for a second sorry to cut you off so what would you have there 
Uh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I don't really remember what I was going to say, to be honest. So My bad, go. then. He's probably going to say uh, <laughs> congratulations to Lou Williams for winning the uh, Lou Williams. I was going to say something about Lou Williams. There you go. Um, yeah, maybe at this point we should just name it the Lou Williams Award. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, him but and- he, he is the embodiment of what you want a six-man to be. Just like, hey, man, can you go get us some buckets while we sit down? Yes, I can. Yes, there, I can. There needs to be two. To, there's two prototypes of six man, and both of them are winners in the past couple of years. It's Lou Williams or it's Andre Iguodala, where you're either a walking bucket and can score twenty a game, blow up for thirty a random nights, or you can kind of do everything and yeah, you can defend guard anybody or like play any position. Yeah, right. And it's funny you brought him up because the first person that came to my mind was Joe Ingles. Jangles. He starts though. Yeah, but he's a six. Let's man. think of man. I don't, I don't care if he starts. He's still the six know? man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, thing, the, the hallmark of a good six man is like, all right, you might not be starting, but you're going to be closing. We're going to need you on defense. We're going to need you on offense down the stretch. Like we we might need to lean on you for a bucket or a stop, or to make a play like uh, Manu on the Spurs or um, James Harden when he was on the Thunder. Ooh, throwback. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or uh, J.R. Smith who just. Absolute microwave off the bench. Oh, yeah. In New York, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Jamal Crawford, obviously, scoring 50 there, and that reminded us that he can get a bucket whenever he wants. Uh, he, he's been one of those guys as well. And Eric Gordon, sneaky, was a six-man two years ago. Now he's like such an – well, he was an important part of the Rockets then, but now it's even more so. Um, but yeah. So let's agree, six-man of the year is going to go to Lou Williams. Let's talk about the ones that have some more contention, and let's start with the big one. Let's start with the MVP. Before we do, I'm going to cut us off here. In about seven or eight minutes, because we got to get to these playoff games. So let's keep it tight on these awards. MVP, uh, whoever wants first. I don't want to make you guys. Uh, I don't want to choose one of you guys. So whoever jumps in first, MVP, make your pick. The season's over. It's time. I'll say I'll, I'll go first. I'm gonna lock it in here. I, I mean, I was hemming and hawing last pod, and I was saying my head, you know, said Giannis, and my heart said Harden. Um, I have to give it to Giannis. I, he he got he locked up the one seed in the East. He was the most dominant player in the league, most dominant probably since the 2000 Shaq years when we had talked about before. Um, 27 points, 13 rebounds. He had I think like a two to one or three to one assist to turnover ratio, um, and he was shooting I think 57 or 58 percent from the floor. And he was a top three defender in the league. So that's, you know, in terms of efficiency of what you want from your best player that we're all giving, you know, super maxes to right now, if he's going to be your best player in offense and defense and really carry the load for you in so many different ways, whether it's scoring, rebounding, defending, rim protection, deflections and steals, uh, assists, initiating offense, um, that, what what more do you want from a player? Like in, in baseball, I call it a five-tool player. I feel like Giannis is a 10-tool player in the NBA. It's insane. He's like the Swiss Army knife of, of basketball. The only thing he can't do is shoot, but apparently that doesn't matter at all for as, as much weight as we gave it. Um, I think it would have been more of an argument if things had kind of broken the Rockets' way down the stretch here um, and they had gotten the two-seed. There's a real, there's a very real chance I would have given it to Harden, especially after that slow start they had and the way he carried them through the middle. Um, but I, I really feel badly that they can't be like 
co-MVPs or something because this year for both of them, I, I'm I'm going to remember just so fondly all the talent we had at the top of the league. That's one thing from this year I'm going to take away and be really happy with. I mean, I'm going to stay consistent with what I feel like I've been saying, you know, for the past several months. I'm pretty sure for at the beginning of this NBA Outsiders thing last year, uh, I'm pretty sure I build Giannis as uh, my MVP that season. And then coming into the season, I did the same thing. And I really feel like he validated it. Um, not to say that James Harden isn't worthy. He obviously is. He wouldn't be in the conversation if he wasn't. Um, but I just think, you know, you hit on a lot of points. He does it on both ends. Uh, but just like the eye test, you know, like the dominance, you see it. He carries a team you know, more so than most other people do. And, uh, I mean, you know, I know the team around him is really good, but he was what made it click. Um, and he's just super fun to watch. Like, night in and night out, Giannis is more likely to do something you've never seen than anybody else sneak. And uh, I feel like we've all just been waiting on it. You know, like, this is, like, the expectation for this guy. So it doesn't feel as crazy as maybe it should. But, like, what he did this year – is super impressive. Like, you know, all, all those old heads like to talk about their mantles and how good they were and, you know, how big it is, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And one thing we saw this year was Shaq just very openly and readily handed over. I know I made that point last podcast, but like, to me, that's so poignant. Like, especially, you know, a couple of weeks later, we got Paul Pierce over here saying he's better than Dwayne Wade. So, you know, it's like, it's not Blasphemous. something you guys... Yeah, like it's it's not something these guys take lightly to just you know say this guy's better than I was, but yeah, he did. So like, let's give him some recognition for being arguably the most dominant player we've seen since Shaq. Wow, that was strong. That was strong out of you guys. It really was. Appreciate it. And you about I, to tear it down? I'm. I don't know. I don't know. And I want you guys. <laughs> I want you guys to be arbiters for me here because. There's a part of me that knows if I heard someone else make this argument in other situations, I would probably call them stupid or fraudulent or whatever. So hear me out and tell me what you think. James Harden, if he gets second place here, this will be the fourth out of fifth uh, year that he would either be first or second in MVP voting. He finished behind Steph for Steph's first MVP, finished behind Russ for Russ's MVP, won his, and then will be first or second this year. So that'll be four years of five. The only time he wasn't in the top two was when Steph was unanimous, right? Mm-hmm. And he should have, he could have, should have, would have won the first one Steph won. He definitely could have, should have, would have won the one Russell Westbrook won. He obviously won last year. And this year, when he averaged as many points or more points than anybody since Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain and took a team out of the dumpster and kept them above water and almost had them in the two seed. I know almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but almost had them in the second seed, ended up fourth, a bunch of games above 500, not just 36 points, seven and a half assists, six rebounds, a true shooting percentage above 60%, the most win shares according to basketball reference. And I see the moments that he had this year when he hit game-winning shots against Golden State, the countless number of step-back threes late in fourth quarters, the absolute 
dominance of controlling the pace of a game and controlling the other team's defense and doing it without his first and second best teammate for a good chunk of the season. For me to take away from Harden for doing that and only winning 54 games or 53 games, whatever they won, it's not enough for me to take away the MVP from him this year. And I know Giannis was incredible. And I know his team was incredible. And I know he did all what he all he what he did in less minutes. So he was technically more efficient in certain ways because his team was winning by ten points. And I don't want to like I don't want that to be a knock against Giannis. But Harden had to do more. He was asked to do more, and he delivered night in and night out. He he scored thirty points or more against every single team in the league. His points per shot and true shooting percentage was still up there with the best Giannis, Steph Curry, James Harden. All of the true shooting percentage all above 60. Got to the free throw line at will, which it may not be exciting all the time, but controls the game and is important. So maybe it's some revisionist history and wanting to make it right and I think that's a bogus way to look at it, but I truly feel it, and maybe it's because I'm a stan of James Harden. But when a dude coulda, shoulda, woulda won two other MVPs, maybe could have three out of four, and he might lose another one when he was so easily, arguably, just as good, if not better, as a guy who's 23 and might have chances to win this over and over and over again, it's tough for me to take it away. And if I had a vote, I'd go Harden and then Giannis. But if Giannis wins, I totally respect it. And I said that with Russ, and I didn't mean it. I said it with Russ to please the crowd, kind of, even though I strongly felt Harden should have won that one, and I feel it even more today. This time, I sincerely believe I'd be fine if Giannis won, but I would still give my vote to Harden, and I think he deserves it. Are you playing the the wait your turn, young fella card? Is that what you're doing right now? I kind of am. I kind of am, and I hate that argument because you're supposed to give it to the best guy. But but if you look at the history of this award and the way it's worked, it's ha- that's how it's worked. And like you can't for me, you can't look at just the statistics and say Giannis was clearly better. There's some things he was better in. There's some things Harden's better in. You could only the only thing that you could look at and say he's clearly better in is team success. I know that's what it's all about. But when you look at the Rockets and you look team at their defense. whole year. And, okay, sure, and defense. This is actually the, the next point I want to make, and this will be my last one. I'll let you guys jump back in and, and uh, arbiter. arbiter. So I tweeted this out already. Um, yes. People want to say, you know, Giannis is so like a great two-way player. He's arguably defensive player of the year or at least on the defensive player of the year ballot, which we'll get to in a bit. That's cool, and I get that. And Giannis is way better at defense than Harden, even though Harden's a lot better than he was in the past. But my question to people who use that argument, what if James Harden's offense was so good that he nets out positive, more positive than Giannis? So Harden's defense is, you know, um, I'll use the win shares in basketball reference. For example, Giannis's defense is like plus 3.4 wins. His offense is plus 11 point something wins. He has a 15 uh, something point, I think eight win shares. I actually have it up. I can pull it up in a second. Giannis's win shares total defense and offense is below James Harden because Harden's offense is so high. It's so much better than anyone else in the league that he nets out pos- more positively than everybody else. So I don't know if that argument works for me. The fact that Giannis well, plays well, both ends. How much more is it? How much more does he net out? Yeah, what's the difference? 
Give me two seconds. I'm scrolling. So Giannis, um, I mean, James Harden is 15.2 win shares on the season. Giannis is 14.4. I know it sounds like not a huge difference. But um, I know it is. But it's a pretty big difference. But you do have to also remember that um, Harden has played more minutes. So Giannis was a little little more efficient to get there. Gotcha. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about about that argument overall? Because I know some of it sounds a little fanboyish, and I accept that. But I do really feel that way, and I don't think I had felt that way in the past about anybody. No, I understand that because, like I said, my heart—I I, want to give it to Harden on a certain level, just because I think he—we haven't had like a signature shot in basketball in a long time. Like, I guess you know, there's the Kareem skyhook, and then you have like the Jordan turnaround. Uh, and then after that, it, it was kind of just like a vacuum. But like now we have the hard step. LeBron, LeBron breakaway fast dunk. That's panic. exactly what I was thinking. The LeBron one-handed tomahawk. Yeah, I get, yeah, but that's not really like a signature unstoppable. I mean, yeah, it's have like you, a fast you, break well, dunk. I'm, like, gonna, I'm not trying to sound like an, like an ass right now, but have you seen it live? Uh, no. It's different. Like, <laughs> I get, no, right, not, I get, I get it. But what, what I mean by signature shot is like, you guard me however you want to guard me. Do it as perfectly as you can, and I'm still going to make this shot right, right in your face. There's nothing Dirk you fading. can do about it. The Pascal Siakam. Oh yeah, yeah. The thing. Dirk, the Dirk uh, in the phone booth fadeaway yes. mid ranger. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, yes. The Dirk, Dirk one footed. Yeah, the Dirk one footed. But but again, like that became a signature shot like ten years ago. Yeah. So it's been. I mean, like unless you count Steph Curry as just like literally throwing it up from anywhere while think, he's shooting I mean, apparently blindfolded his whole life. I think, yeah, right. That's ridiculous. Uh, I feel like for Steph, his shot would be just anywhere beyond three point when he turns around before he makes it. That's his signature. Yeah. What, whatever that random shot where he, where he almost lost the ball and then he throws it up and Steve Kerr's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? And then Steve Kerr's like, why, why do I even need to be here? Like, what am I, what is the <laughs> point of my much. job? <laughs> but wait, uh, also I want to add this as well. When you think about signature moments from the season, everybody always says MVP moments. And I know Giannis had huge games and huge games against big teams, against good teams. But can you think of any like specific moments where it was like, oh my God, Giannis just like saved the game or Giannis just won that game or Giannis just did that spectacular thing in order for the Bucks to come out on top? And I know their team was so good they didn't need it. But oh, I, where, have, I have something. Where were where were some of his MVP moments? Because Harden has a strong number against, of those. Against the 76ers, that like Baby final food? stretch, the the final stretch kind of he had some great moments. He, first he, of all, he put it on he Embiid. Bang, he banged on Embiid first of all in that game, and Embiid hurt his butt or his back, whatever, when he went to the ground. So, you know, obviously that was pretty cool. Uh, then you know Joel Embiid hit a three later in that stretch or later in the game, rather, in the fourth quarter, and it was like, you know, they came back down the court, and he you could tell he was talking some shit, uh, and basically dared Giannis to take the same exact shot at the top of the key, and he did, and he splashed it right in his face. So, like, I feel like that was pretty statement-esque, you know, like, just, like, going at the other guy in the Eastern Conference who's who's a bull, you know? The, the other thing about uh, Giannis, like, not needing to play those minutes, I mean, you only play, like, 32 minutes a game, maybe 33. Um, it was 32.8, so basically 33 minutes. If you do it, like, 
we always do per 36 for better players because they're usually on the court more than 36 minutes. And that's like about average for a star. If you Giannis's per 36s are 30 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists, uh, a steal and a half block and a half and 11 for 19 from the floor, just disgusting numbers, just like 10 free throw attempts per game. Like he could have easily been double digit free throws, like just like uh, Harden, just like Embiid, but he just didn't get the minutes because they were just blowing teams out. So, you know, signature moments like I'm going to remember the the dominance and that they were almost a double digit point differential every game. You know, that's what I'll remember for Giannis. I mean, it's not as good as the the 30 point stretch that Harden had. Like overall, that'll certainly be the signature moment of the season for me. Um, but I, I feel like knocking a guy because his team was too good like i i don't i don't see that especially i know i, don't, I hate the I history hate of this yeah so i have just one question i guess that can kind of like maybe i guess offer some clarity steps a unanimous year was that the 73 and 9 year yeah yeah didn't he play like 14 fourth quarters that year uh it's, there was some, some disgusting number yeah like that. That. yeah he so, didn't he didn't play in like 20 years i think that lends credence to how how much importance they put on efficiency, specifically for the most valuable player. That's I a, think that's not, yeah, that's, that's a good not point. A, it's not a bad parallel, but I will say this: when you do look back to the to that year, to the statistics, to the analytics, like Steph Curry was a head above everybody else. Like he was so m- much more valuable analytically than anyone else without playing those minutes. And that's just not, that's not the case with Giannis. It's not apples to apples right there, in my opinion. Like Giannis was incredible and his team was awesome, but it's not 73 wins and it's not like, oh my God, he's so good. Like we can't even put him in the fourth quarter is brought by 30. I mean, it's not quite that level, but it is a pretty strong parallel there, Frank. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like Steph, Steph was unanimous for a reason. Like this is not nearly unanimous. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. But I'm just saying, like, I guess, like, sort of, like, like principle wise, right? Like, like it's, it's port, it's kind of the point Duff's been making. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to further punish a guy because his teammates are good. But it's, not, it's not a. I, I mean, yeah, I know. I'm trying not to make it a punishment on him. I am just trying to say that Harden's situation is more impressive to me. Yeah, no, that's that's just like the the real world context of it, you know? Like everybody likes to think everything's just uh black and white, but there's a whole lot of gray. And and that's that's the gray right there, you know, right. the situation, the the stuff that, you know, your average NBA fan isn't going to remember in 10 years, you know? Right. Well, goddamn, I told you guys I was going to put a strict limit on this and we went way deep on it. Holy hell. Um, well, we well got- it's like it's finally commenced, right? Like yes. even when we talked about it earlier in the week, like I had strong feelings, but like they were still incomplete. I feel more complete now because I mean, it's not that it's much different, but it's done, you know? It's yeah, done. For sure. No, it's true. And this year more than any other year for people across the country, especially in specific states, it's going to be a little more interesting as people are legally allowed to make wagers on said awards like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and whatnot. So uh, maybe maybe a good number 
A good ratings number is on the way for the NBA award show on TNT. But we got to move on. Let's talk this time for real. Let's talk quickly on Defensive Player of the Year because we have a lot of series to talk about when it comes to the playoffs. And this is supposed to be a playoff preview. And we got distracted. But it's okay because hopefully that was a really good conversation. Real quick, let's make it an elevator pitch. Defensive Player of the Year, go. Um, okay, I guess it's me. Um, defensive Player of the Year, uh, I'm going to go with Paul George. Um, I don't know if he finished out the last month uh, as he did the regular, you know, the first seven-eighths of the regular season. But, um, you know, he's locked down. And he really was the guy on the Thunder that made the defense click. You know, he was, he was kind of like the rover, so to say. Like, he would play the amoeba role he would pick off passes he would come over the, um, from the help side block shots and stuff like that like just just entertaining to watch and i know obviously this is only a defense award but like the fact that he's carrying a load on both ends of the court at such a high level i think lends credence that he he should be rewarded i'm gonna go with the stifle tower yeah rudy gobert it's it's i mean Pete. i'm sure you had this as well uh does he have one yet? Yeah, he won last year. Okay. Yeah, this okay. is this is gonna be back. yeah repeat offense for uh, Rudy Gobert. The the Jazz had the number one, I believe, number one most efficient defense. In, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong. Here. That is correct. Yeah, number one most efficient defense in the league, and he is their rim protector. The most important, he's he's the anchor. The, that's the most important part of any NBA defense. Think of. Kevin Garnett, you think of uh, Joel Embiid out east. So this is the type of guy that you need on defense. What like, and and he's not a zero on offense. I mean, he's not fantastic, but he's shooting sixty-seven percent from the floor, mainly because it's just dunks. I mean, he set a new record for most dunks in a single season, which I actually found pretty surprising, considering how much everyone talks about Giannis dunking. But I digress. Um, he averaged 2.3 blocks per game, and that's just kind of a disgusting number over the course of the season. Like three three stocks total, steals and blocks. Uh, shout out Bill Simmons for that stat. It's actually one of my favorites. Um, I like that. I never heard it before. Yeah, you never heard the stocks? I'm a big fan of stocks starting now. Big fan of the stocks. Um, so I, I really just kind of the same vein. This is not quite what I did with Giannis, but kind of best defender on best defense type of deal. Like I, I I feel like that is really the most important thing because in in the NBA it's always team defense. You know, people like to say other players don't try on defense and whatnot, but there's a lot of rotations and really complicated schemes that go into any NBA defense if their team is good. Um and I think the fact that year after year Utah is so good, it has to do with Rudy Gobert and because they continuously have one of the best, and this year the best defense. I got to hand it to him, Rudy Gobert. And just to put a signature performance on it, when they had to lock up the fifth seed the other day, he totally took Nikola Jokic off his game, held him to two points. Jokic fouled out in the fourth quarter with six minutes left. Uh, Gobert, it's Gobert. It is. And, you know, you can go with Paul George, and I think if he didn't tail off, it would be a stronger um, argument. I think you can go Giannis if you want because he is just so versatile. He's everywhere on defense at once. His weak side uh, rollovers to come over and block shots is ridiculous. He's great, but 
when you talk about an absolute anchor, a guy who rebounds, a guy who alters shots, not even when he blocks shots, and is just so consistent on the defensive end. It's Rudy Gobert. He's going back-to-back. And um, defensive statistics, when it's, you're not talking block, steals, or pe- uh, pass deflections, get a little wishy-washy for me. I don't know how much I can trust them. But if you want to take a uh, take a look, we'll, we'll talk about it real quick. So we're talking about win shares on the defensive side. Gobert, highest in the league. Second was Giannis, but he had uh, more defensive win shares. He's also had the, def- the highest defensive box plus minus for people who qualify minutes-wise. And... Like, when you see Gobert play and you think, oh, my God, this guy's affecting the game like crazy, and then you check these wacky defensive analytics and he happens to be on the top, it tells you something. It's Gobert, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree. Uh, the wire to wire, I'm going to, you know, obviously I said my piece, but after after the argument was presented, the, the wire to wire, uh, I'll give it up, yeah. Probably Gobert. Wow. How about that? A nice little flop ski. I like that, Frank. Hell yeah. It was a strong flop, though. It wasn't like we a out, week. Yeah, nah, nah, we, we out here using logic, fam. You I, lo- I like that. I like that. You know, that's big. That's big. All right. This is what we've been waiting for. This is it. We're, oh, rookie of the year. Ah. Oh, we, I feel like we can all just. This is quick. Yeah. Right? One, say it on the country, right? One, two, three. Luka. Baby Goka. All right, cool. Yeah, I think it. we got it. I think we got it done right there, right? Baby goat. We'll just say I'll just say this for all three of us. Trey Young was so fun this year, especially in the second half. Lit it up offensively. Sick passing, sick shooting, way better finishing around the rim than we expected. But 82 games, Luka was doing it. Triple doubles, assist rebounds, step back three. It's Luka. Sorry, Trey. You're great. Yeah, for anyone who thinks it's Trey Young, just I, I want to remind you real quick that the first 41 games actually do matter. So you can't just like kind of hop in the last two months and pretend like you know what you're talking about. Sorry. Also, shout out Mitchell Robinson. Sneaky, maybe all team. Oh, I mean, all first team rookie. Probably not, but definitely second team. Shout out Mitchell Robinson. It's not mine. Shout out Mitchell Robinson. All right. Um, moving on to the playoffs. Hell yeah. Um, we did want to talk technically about something that is it's maybe possible one of these days. But I don't think we're going to have time to really dive deep. So, Duff, please please keep it a little tight here with the, the elevator pitch on why you think the conference-less playoffs could work in the NBA. So, if, if conference-less playoffs, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, is basically, you know, forget about East and West and 1 through 8 on each side. It's 1 through 16, just total best record in the NBA versus – or best record in the NBA amongst playoff teams – and then worst record amongst playoff teams, that would be the 16 seed. So it would still be Bucks Pistons in the first round. But then it goes uh, Raptors Nets, uh, Warriors Magic, uh, Nuggets Clippers, Rockets Spurs, um, Blazers Pacers, Sixers Thunder, and then Jazz and Celtics. So I think it makes things way more interesting, especially this year in particular, because. Jazz Celtics would be just it would be so retro of a of a NBA playoff matchup where teams are like it's it's a race to like 84 points like whoever if you can get to 80 points you're probably gonna win uh, and I think that would just like a little piece of nostalgia would that would make it interesting obviously you got the Rocket Spurs just a fun interstate rivalry that exists in the NBA just two completely opposite teams I feel like in a, just the Rockets take so many threes. Spurs take 
few, few much fewer threes, but they hit it at a high clip. Um, and then the the matchup that would be so exciting to me is 76ers Thunder. Like Embiid, Westbrook, those two guys going back and forth, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. I think that would be so, so, so fun. Um, I, I really – that's that's my dream for the NBA. Just conferenceless. There's a lot of things we need to tweak first, but in in my mind, this is kind of like what the perfect playoff picture looks like. I don't want to hear about travel. I don't want to hear about none of that. You get a day between games, no matter uh, even now, and then two days between games whenever you change location, like versus you know whoever's the top seed going to the bottom seed in games right. three and four. Um, and they're all flying charter jets anyway. So, like, honestly, what does it matter? Like, I think seriously. I think you can take this on as a challenge and spearhead this movement. Oh, plenty of people are already on this. Yeah, plenty of people are already on this. And but I'm just—I may be the most passionate, but plenty of people are already on. I think it has to do with how strong the West is and how the Pistons backed into it with a 41 and 41 record. Like, the King—did the Kings have a better record than the Pistons? Were they, above, uh, were they above 500? I think they were. Let me check. So if the Pist- if the Kings would be above 500, do they get in over the Pistons? There's some logistics true, stuff here. Yeah, in a true conference-less playoffs, they would, yeah. Yeah, and then it, then it gets tricky with the amount of games. No, they wouldn't get in. They wouldn't get in. The, the actual eight or 16 seeds that would be in wouldn't be different this year, but last year it would have been. Like, imagine if got the Nuggets in right. into the playoffs instead of – who was who was the eight seed under, last year? They were under five hundred, right? Thirty nine, whatever, or was it a forty one team? Who was it? Who was the eight seed last year? Played the Raptors. Oh, uh, was it the Wizards? It was the Wizards. Snuck in by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's and, the, it's and who's who? They were on the outside. Who, the Nuggets were they have forty six, forty seven wins and they missed the playoffs. Yeah, and that yeah. happened to the Jazz two years ago with Hayward. Uh, they missed the playoffs with like forty seven wins as well. Three years ago, maybe I forget. It's interesting. Yeah, I just don't want to reward bad teams in a, in one conference just because geographically it helps them. Like that I doesn't mean, seem fair. Let's, like let's we all just want the best basketball, right? Like that's the goal here. I mean, just like for me to put it in perspective, obviously this year it didn't. Like we said, it wouldn't have affected anything. But like Detroit, basically their season came down to beating the Knicks. Like imagine they couldn't do that. Yeah. You know? Good point. Yeah, yeah. I may I may have laid a wager on the Knicks. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not. I would love to know what the spread like the, where people were betting. Like if it was so heavy towards the Knicks, just because like fucking Pistons. Because it would have been hilarious if they if the Knicks won. Right. It would have been oh, so funny. It was so good. We would have, we would have had a whole state hate us for no reason. Point guard we'll Mario Hazonia. Oh my god, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well. 30, oh, what's up? 35. I was gonna say thirty-five from Azonia just to like <laughs> put them in their graves. That would be the worst. Just for fun, just for funsies. That would've been hilarious. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and then you know another thing is the lottery teams play a winner go home like one uh, one game winner go home um, tournament style bracket style whatever you want to call it to win the lottery. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, except yeah, for then a team like the the pistons or something like that well maybe then they would not want the eight seed on purpose like they would then be like oh shoot we're gonna be the eight seed god damn we gotta start tanking to get this uh yeah. to get this 14 
seed in the whatever in the lottery playoffs. Uh, whatever. Anyways, we gotta talk about the real playoffs. Dude, tanking, tank. That might make tanking worse. Honestly, it was then if the Clippers tank, they would just wipe everyone. <laughs> that, that's true. It's just like it's just like the one team wants to build a super team, so they're like, all right, they send out a memo to all the fans, like, hey, for the next four years, we don't care. Okay, we don't care until the lottery. Yeah, goes. everyone's on two way contracts. Steph Curry's on a two way contract. We're gonna have our G League team be the NBA team. NBA- <laughs> So if you want to go watch good basketball, go watch the G League, and then when playoff time rolls around, we'll win the number one pick and just create a super team that way. The only problem with that is that players are then going to have to like play hard to win the lottery playoffs for other people to probably like take their job. It's kind of weird. Anyways, let's get yeah, to the real yeah. playoffs. Let's get, yeah, let's get to the real playoffs. Get Sheesh, real it's been goddamn right? long enough to get to these real playoffs here. So uh, <clears throat> I say we start with uh, – the one let's start. let's start with start. the one eights. We'll we'll hop conference to conference. We're gonna go with the one eights, then we're gonna go with the four fives, the three sixes, and the two sevens to end us off. We're gonna do it that way. Back and forth conference I think to conference. I'm gonna throw a suggestion out real fast. You oh, can throw it back on my face if go you don't like it. it. But we should either open with or close with the the Rocket series because we have so much riding on. All right, how about that? Let's just do it by intrigue. Let's just do it by intrigue. Off the cuff. Yeah, least intriguing to most intriguing. No, way, other way around, the, Duff. Oh, most okay. training, least training. Okay. Are we gonna have to like, delete yeah, this yeah. part? Not. I think we just. I think we just start with the Rockets one and then do what you said because there's so much marbles on it with this. All right, let's do Rockets. Numbers. Let's and do Rockets. Also, I think the way the seating worked out it makes it a huge talking point. So it's a good starting point. All right, word inside podcasting, SBNY podcast. Welcome to what we do before the show and apparently during the show. Usually, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So let me just say this, and then we'll start talking about the ins and outs of the series. The biggest losers of the playoff seeding is both the Rockets and the Jazz. Is that fair yep. to say? Yeah, yeah, one A, one B. Since the All Star break, these are the two best teams in the league. Like, not not That's kidding. So fucked. Like, no joke. The two best teams in the league have been the Rockets, who have the number one net rating, the Jazz, who I think have the second net rating, and then it's mm-hmm. like the Bucks and Warriors and whatever. And and they're facing off in the first round of playoffs. It sucks because one of those teams is probably going home early. Is no definitely going home early. But yep. those two teams are probably the best bets to beat the Warriors, or at least give them fits. Right? I don't know if the Jazz have the firepower, but definitely two of the top teams there. So that sucks for both of them. First off, second off, what do we think is going to happen here? So the Rockets have home uh, court so advantage. Frank, I take us like, Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm chomping at the bit right now, so I'm going to go. Uh, Man, I feel like you are sweating, Pete. I feel like you are sweating. This is Pete's worst nightmare because right? either either he either he wins like he wins the league pass, or which means the Jazz lose, or the Jazz win, which he loves. But then he has to pay for our league pass. This is Pete. You have everything riding on this, Frank. Rem- remind like, the people of the wager, Frank. So the wager is uh, we made this early on in the season too, like possibly first week of the season. Uh, that the Rockets can't get out of the first round this year. They just won't. Uh, there honestly was no science behind why I took this stance. I just did. And uh, he feels very strong. Because they were the losing, Rockets Carmelo Anthony was still on the Yeah, that Shit. too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, Melo was still on the team. We'll preface it with that. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, it looked really bad for them moving forward. And I know that Pete had a lot of stock in Harden. So I saw an opportunity. I leveraged it. I said, "Hey, they're not getting out of the first round. Uh, if they do, I'll pay for your league pass. If not, you pay for my league pass." And it kind of evolved. Uh, Duff got in, 
And here we are with, in my opinion, the best possible case for me and Duff's side of this bet. I think the Jazz are a matchup nightmare. Uh, you know, playoff time comes around and basketball slows down. And when games slow down, typically defensive teams do better than offensive teams. But obviously this Rockets team is like sort of next level offensively, and it is definitely James Harden. But if there's a team that's going to go out there and have a game plan that could possibly stifle them, you know, in a couple of important games or a couple of important spots, it's the Jazz. And I'm all ready for this. I'm so hyped that I'm not going to have to pay Pete like, four months after he already pays for the league pass, you know, he'll just pay it. And then I'll just be like, ha ha. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm not scared. Oh, you are scared. Also low key MVP of the series. Uh, jingles. Jingles. J- is jingles going to guard Harden? Cause then I might be scared. Jingles is guarding Harden. Who else? Down the stretch. They're going to let him, you know, keep some energy. So that in the fourth quarter, he can lock him down straight Aussie style. Let's get it. <laughs> well, let me let me say this. I uh, in the beginning of the season, you guys were harping on how bad they were playing, and I was very confident they were going to figure it out, and they did. And they figured it out. They should have gotten the two seed. They blew a thirteen point lead against the Thunder, which made me nervous because then we almost were going to be matched up against the Thunder. Uh, and we didn't get that, and at first I was relieved, and then I realized we're getting the Jazz, and I wasn't as relieved as I thought I was going to be because the two teams you don't want to play, most likely, if you're a top seed in the West, is the Jazz and the Thunder, right? Not as scared as the Spurs. You're not really scared of the Clippers, and um, that's all all the bottom seeds. So the two teams I didn't want to see were the Thunder and Jazz, and now the Rockets are seeing the Jazz, and it's a little nerve-wracking. But two things that the Rockets have in their advantage here is – home court advantage for the Rockets. Uh, they have a great home crowd. They do very well at home. And sneakily, they have their own version of Rudy Gobert. And Clint Capella is fantastic. And I think as much as Rudy Gobert might give fits to Harden on those drives, I think Capella can do the same for Donovan Mitchell. And where I think this game gets won, or the series gets won by the Rockets, is just pure offensive firepower. The, the Jazz really rely on Donovan Mitchell a lot to make plays and also just really big-time team ball movement. But when some of these other guys are going to the rim, I think Capella can do just enough of a job to slow him down, and I think the Rockets can just outscore him with Eric Gordon, Chris Paul, James Harden, Capella putting up 16-16 and 16 every night. I really, I'm, I'm not scared, but it's not the matchup I wanted. I still feel firmly the Rockets will get to round two to take on the Warriors, which is what we all need. In our life, you scared, bro. You scared. Stop. Come on, come on. Just how do, you, you know? how do you feel emotionally that no matter what you lose? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I don't. You know this is gonna be weird to say. He's gonna I, go the opposite way. He's gonna go glass half full. No, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm way more pro Rockets right now than I am pro Jazz. Wow. And you know, I'm a hardcore pro Jazz guy. Love so me, I love me some jingles. And I was all over Donovan Mitchell pre-draft. All over it. I felt like a Donovan Mitchell hipster. And now I'm at the point, I'm such a Donovan Mitchell hipster, I don't even root for him that much anymore. Wow. <laughs> it's like that band you love and then you start overplaying him on the radio. Dude, literally though, like you could, there's on this podcast, I was saying the Knicks should take Donovan Mitchell, but they're too scared because his rankings are lower than that. And they took Frankie Smokes. He stinks. Donovan Mitchell's a stud. <laughs> I knew it the first time I saw him play in Summer League. I was like, this guy's a star. And look at where we are now. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I just, I love the candid honesty right there, like, out of nowhere. It's, it's true. It's taken so, it's, it's taken so long for, you, for not just you, just this is, that was like every Knicks fan's thoughts on Frank Milikina pouring out right there. Pete has been very patient with Frank Milikina, and you saw it just go right there. I love it. That's how we all feel. Yeah. It's, it's or at least tough. how I think we all feel. I didn't want Malik Monk. I didn't want freaking Dennis Smith Jr., who we have now. I wanted Donovan. <laughs> I wanted Donovan Mitchell. Knew they weren't going to take him. They didn't. It's Frankie Smokes. I ain't giving up on you yet, but right now you stink. <laughs> Come on. I love. I love how I, I was like last season when everyone was loving on Donovan Mitchell and posting on Instagram, always with the same like mouth to zip emoji. And I was like, I can't wait. I can't wait for the tide to turn on this guy. Pub, like you know. Court of public opinion, everybody always loses eventually. You know, look at Steph Curry right now. LeBron James over the course of his career, the ebbs and flows. And uh, and I didn't expect this, Pete, but, like, I, I feel like no one's really turned on him. It's just he hasn't been as good as he was last year, really. You are the only one who's turned on him. Like, you out of everyone. Right? His biggest yeah. fan, dude. His hey, he lives, fan. he lives long enough to see, uh, <laughs> what is it? It's like uh, you either die... Die a super fan, or you live long enough to see yourself become a hipster. <laughs> become a hater, yeah. <laughs> That's me. I did not die a super fan of Donovan Mitchell. I'm now still living as a hater. It's not. I'm not a hater. I still. I'm still pro Jazz. If the Jazz beat the Rockets, I'll root for them. Yeah, for that. yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm rooting for the Rockets. Obviously, for money purposes, and also because <laughs> I'm. I'm just pro Rockets. I'm. I'm too. I'm in too deep with them. Uh, Duff, make your pick for the series. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Jazz and six. You're a flap. Yeah. You're a flap. You're just saying that because you want to win. <laughs> you goddamn flap. All right. All right. No. 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 For real. I'll, I'll actually say rock. But I, but I really want the Jazz and. <laughs> you jerk. All right. Jazz well, and four. Since We're you guys sweeping. are now bothering me. Since you guys are now bothering me, I'm taking over the ship. I am the captain now, and I'm picking whatever series we're talking about. Here we go. Now, the, the next series we're talking about, we're going to stay in the middle of the Western Conference. We're going to talk about Portland and OKC. Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard is going to be three or four on the all, uh, MVP ballot. Fantastic year. Underrated year. CJ McCollum hurt. Nurkic out for the end of the season. They hold on to a three seed. 53 wins. They do it every year. This year he did it with less help, seemingly, for, for most of it, even though Nurkic was incredible for a good portion of the season. Somehow they have no respect. The six seed Thunder... 49 wins are most likely the favorites in this series. A lot of people are going to pick them, even if they're underdogs. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, we get the story here. What do we think about a seven-game series, Portland with home court advantage? What are the odds that the higher seed feel, uh, feeling underdog actually has a chance to win this? I actually, I feel like, so my opinion on this, I guess, is kind of skewed because I, I'm not a Thunder fan. But I am a Thunder fan. The Thunder so, are to you as the Rockets are to me. Let's let's put it that way. I mean, or the even, Jazz. But even more, yeah. Like it's it's honestly it's more like the Jazz because it's like a year after year thing and not so much like a I love this guy. Like I, I love that team pretty much, but that team is Russell Westbrook. So who knows? Regardless, 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 I see this going two ways for Portland. Right? It's either the absolute nightmare, and to be honest, that's like sixty five percent of where I'm leaning. Uh, they have absolutely no one to match up with Paul George, uh, in my opinion. Like, what what is Mo Harkless going to do? Um, Evan Turner, and, no, no faith. <laughs> no, absolutely none. No, get get around. <laughs> um, 
And then Nurkic going down. I think Nurkic was is an interesting matchup against a guy like Steven Adams because he's he's a lot of finesse he, and and he is a strong dude, so he won't just get bullied. Um, I mean, I've seen plenty of Enos Cantor to know that he's about to get abused by Steven Adams uh, down low pretty consistently for the entirety of this series. Dude, Cantor's and about to get double zero every time. Cantor's about to get abused by Dennis Schroeder. Let's be honest. I mean, just yet yeah, any pick and roll situation, he's done. But um, the 35% chance in my mind is just Dame Lillard doing what he did to James Harden and the Rockets. Like, I guess at this point it's two years. So maybe he's like the, every three years he's going to have that, that one playoff series where no one helps him, but it doesn't matter because he's going to hit 40-foot 40, 40 shots at the buzzer to win the game. Kind of like you said, like if it's a close series, uh, if it does wind up going long, obviously they have a chance. Um, but but I, I honestly don't see it. I think this is kind of – you know, one of the worst possible matchups for Portland. So, yeah, with with Nurkic out and then CJ McCollum coming back after missing ten games yeah. uh, towards the end with the with that left knee injury, he came back in two games. He actually played a lot, like kind of a lot of minutes for somebody coming back from a knee injury that missed like almost a month. He had, he played twenty five minutes and then thirty minutes, and he played bad in both those games. So it's it's not really looking too promising. Um, I I I mean this this game I could see like both teams just trying their like it, it'll be like the Blazers are like trying like hell to win and McCollum just doesn't have it and Dame Lillard is like I don't give a shit like we're gonna win this series blah 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 and then the Thunder have like most of the talent but. Paul George is like, oh, my shoulder like kind of hurts a lot. And Russ is like, don't worry, I got you. And he just starts shooting 20% from the floor. But they still just win by like one point every game. I like That's how I kind of see this going. It, it's going to be... Dude, this playoffs going to be for Nipsey, fam. Russ is going to show out, fam. Wow. Oh, that's yeah, good point. Wow, good point, Frank. Big facts. Um, good point. I, I have... I, so, like, there's, there's a few things, the way that all this seating, like, landed, that just... I don't know. It put me in like a good, a, a really good mood for these playoffs. Like I think the Thunder are in a good spot to make a run. I think they kind of like they didn't peak necessarily at the end of the year, but they definitely started playing better as the season wound down, uh, as opposed to like right after the All Star break. Um, and and you know what I have a little skin on the line. The Jazz. I feel like I couldn't have asked for like better seating slash opponent for the Rockets. I just feel so good about it. Uh, I, I honestly, I'm with you, Duff, uh, and I think OKC is going to win this game, this series in seven. Like I think it's, I think it's going to the wire, and I'm just, I'm picturing Damian Lillard walking off the court in his home uh, stadium of Portland, and just being like demoralized, being like, dude, I literally just gave out Did everything. I just yeah. averaged forty and eight, and like dominated everybody. And we just came up short. Like I think it's Thunder in seven, but it's a heartbreaker for the th- uh, for the Trailblazers. That, I think for the Thunder, what they need the most is Paul George to play defense. Like it's less about scoring for him right now. Like tell Russ, just like please, just attack the rim. Don't even look at the rim until you're inside 15 feet of it, and just go full head of steam because they have no rim protection. The Blazers have no one that's going to really stop him. Like Dude, the pick and roll is that Myers Leonard, Zach Collins. Like come on. The pick and roll is a main main faction of every offense in the NBA, but specifically for Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook, that's like that's how Steven Adams scores. So like it that's it's just gonna be a nightmare for Portland. 
And I just, I love Dame. You guys know I love Dame more than most people do. Uh, but I, I just don't see him being able to shoulder that load. I mean, Nurkic has been so good for them. Like that, I know. It's sad. I feel like not, people are not putting enough eggs into the basket of him not being there. It's, uh, I think most people are kind of expecting the Thunder to win the series, and uh, it's tough because Portland really had a great year again, and they may get yep. bumped in the first round again. Let's move on. Denver, Sacramento, uh, San Antonio. Nuggets, two seed, 54 whoa, wins. Whoa, 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 whoa. You picked the last one. I'm picking this. All right, fine. I thought I was the captain now, but I guess I just got thrown overboard nah, on, nah, on nah. my own shit. But that's, this, the one I'm going to pick is way more interesting. All right. Sixers, Nets. Eh, We're going I, east. I, We're I, heading out east. I, I get it that why you think that's interesting. Um, but Denver, San Antonio, pretty interesting. Don't sleep. All right. Sixers, Nets. Go. This is this – is, both teams have trusted their process. Whatever, you know, one a little bit more well thought out than the other. You know, Sixers yeah, actually sure, had a plan. Six A to stop, stop. Sixers actually further along. You're just further along. Don't don't. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, that was that was a good point, Frank. Actually, when they traded for uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and gave away all their picks, this was actually their plan the whole time. Good point, Frank. Um, So the Sixers, but like, Uh, is that what Frank said? Is that what you? No, that's see. He just he just said that part of the Nets plan. They didn't do it on purpose though. Like they didn't they didn't. Get shitty okay, on purpose. But the part of the rebuild is it, like the rebuild happened after those guys left. It didn't happen when that trade was made. After that trade was made, the Nets hit the hard reset. Right? They're like in year three of the rebuild. The the Paul Pierce years, Kevin Garnett years, they don't count. It doesn't count till after. He's just saying the Sixers are further along in the process, bro. Come on. Whatever. Come on, Relax. They're, they're Relax, like Sixer Stan. As opposed to the Nets year two. Relax, Sixer Stan over there. Yeah, bro. F out of here, bro. Jeesh. Coming at me like that. And you know what? It's not even that interesting of a series. You know why? Because the Sixers are so much further ahead. This is this is a five game series at most. In my opinion. That's what I All do right, like. Let's move on. Fuck you guys. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. That's what I do like. I like this Frank versus Duff action. We haven't had enough of that this season. And quite yeah. frankly, I'm sick of you guys getting along. Right now. <laughs> he's, nah, he's tired of getting teamed up on is what he's Exactly. You know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm sick and tired of that tape. It's a load of trash, Duff. Yo. That's a load of trash, and I'm shoving it right back in your face. The only thing that's anti-Sixers right now is that Joel Embiid is not fully healthy. His knee's a little banged up. That's the only reason this series can be interesting. If Joel Embiid is healthy, this is over in six games max, most likely five, possibly a freaking clean sweep. I think the Nets are going to keep it close. DeAndre Russell is going to have some really good moments, some really good games. The Nets are a good team. They play really hard. They play together. They're not beating the Sixers in this series. They're I not. think you're really underrating all of those qualities. Dude, I've watched so many Nets games this year, and they've had the flair for the dramatic. They've played great down the stretch. They've done well in fourth quarters. The Sixers are just infinitely so more better. talented, and it's so going to show out in the playoffs. I don't know. Where, where, why do you not have faith in the Sixers? Maybe that's my question. I, for all the reasons you said about the Nets, like they play together. Every guy knows their role. Every person on that team is like really good at one specific thing, and that can really go a long way with knowing what to do and when to do it. Like Joe Harris, I'm just going to rain threes and run off screens. I'm not going to take bad shots. I'm not going to force anything. I'm going to play hard defense. D'Angelo Russell is going to initiate the offense, and he's got to be a shot maker for everyone around him. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to create for others. He's going to attack the rim, and I could see him being the type of guy that might get him beat in foul trouble just because of how – 
What? So you think the Nets are more comfortable in their skin basketball wise than Philadelphia is, and you think yes. that might be a problem? Yes, because they there's not going to be any sort of friction between any of the guys on the team. There's not going to be like, you know, player A is not getting as many shots as player B, so now player A is pissed off, but I, player I C is in the corner like, wait, you guys forgot about me. That's what I worry about with the Sixers is kind of how I it shakes it. out because you need to – everyone needs to kind of fall in ranks here, down the stretch here. And I, I agree. Definitely the best player. Simmons needs the ball in his hand to make things happen. But, like, what's going what's gonna to happen with – Jimmy Butler off ball, like, he, and he's asking for the ball. Meanwhile, like, Tobias Harris is like, I'm just kind of happy to be here, guys, like, and I hope I can help out any way I can, when he should be the one who's really more aggressive about it. So, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but I guess what I I think in my mind or, like, I guess the, the beliefs I subscribe to is, like, the friction that you saw in Philadelphia, honestly, I, I don't really think much of it was real at all, first of all. Uh, I think – they enjoy playing with each other. Actually, I think they are a, a group of guys who have a kind of similar mindset and a similar sort of demeanor towards the game. And yeah, obviously, if you have a bunch of alphas who who maybe don't have defined roles because they're they're too big for a single role, can be an issue. But I think like that's a regular season issue. To come playoff times, like that's when guys swallow pride. That's when guys. This one they should smile just just to just to win, and I think, I mean, unless they're all talk, I mean that's all these guys on on the Sixers have been talking about. Man, they want they want to go for it all. They they don't care about this. Like, like they care about the regular season only because it has implications in their championship run. But those games yeah, now, now, that the game, now that those games are over. I bet, I bet you, even if you ask about those games now, those guys will tell you they don't matter. It doesn't matter, and. I, I truly believe that they will be subscribing to that. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be too much of a, hey, I need to get paid next summer, so I got to pop off this this playoffs. Like, no, I think what what will be best in each of their respective interests is to go as far as you can in the playoffs as a team and show that you are not, you know, a stubborn piece of crap who who can't work with a really good team to achieve a goal. Like that would reflect so poorly on them. I, I can't see that happening. All right, fine. Fine. I guess I'm, all, I'm, I'm alone on this island. I, I mean, think it'll be a fun series. I think it's going to be... super surprising that you, you're, you're, you're on that island at all. Kind of like, Pizza, you're the, you're the Sixers stand now that Babs uh, a country man, you know? Mountain man, Babs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, mountain man. That's what I meant to say. Now that Babs a mountain man, you're like our resident, you know... We try to hit the whole tri-state area up with some love, and uh, and man, you really threw your team under the bus there. I, I hope I hope the listeners of this pod who are seventy six fans really get at Duff. I really do. I mean, Duff, are you- I didn't throw him under the bus. I Duff. didn't say anything I haven't been saying all year. Like none <laughs> of this is should be news. Duff, are you trying to just worry about the Nets? Are you trying you're to pull the Bill Simmons Duff? Are you trying to pull the Bill Simmons where where you're out here trying to like anti jinx your team or you're reverse trying, jinx it? Yeah, you're reverse jinxing your team right now. You're rooting for the was, Sixers so hard that you're saying, dude, the the Nets actually might be more scary than you think. You're just hedging your bets because if the Nets do well and your Sixers blow it, you got something to fall back on. Like, yo, I knew the Nets were pretty scary, but when the net the Sixers win by five, you're gonna be like, you know, I think the Sixers actually have what it takes to make a playoff uh, finals run. And we're going to be like, dude, shut up. Me and Frank are calling yeah. your shit nowadays. You uh, caught on to that so quickly, actually. 
good. Anyways, Sixers, right. Sixers and Six. Yeah. So so now now it's my turn to be the captain. Go ahead. Is that we're doing this? And I'm gonna pass my captainship to the real captain, Pete. Take the back over. <laughs> oh wow, that's big. Don't, All right. Don't give the keys back up, goddammit. Well, since Duffy derailed my my uh, first plan, let's stay in the East now. Keep it even. We'll do two in the West. Now we did one in the East. Let's do one more in the East here, and let's stay in the middle. Boston, Indiana. Um, I think everybody's expecting the Celtics to to do the job here, to kind of figure it out. To what extent we don't know yet, but is it fair to say? the Celtics will win this series, right? Is that is that a lock in your guys' eyes? Or can this thing implode in the first round? I think it's still uh, fair to say it's still be to be seen if it can implode in the second round, but can it implode against this Pacers team? So, for, for as ferociously I came at Duff for his Sixers take, I feel the way he feels about the Sixers team, about this Celtics team, but I feel like it's so much more warranted for the Celtics than the Sixers, like, Oh, you're so full of shit, Frank. <laughs> you're so full of shit. The other part of it is, I have no, 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 no. There's no other part. The Pacers don't have one single guy on their team that would be better than yes, D'Angelo so Russell. That was gonna, that Not was one single. My guy. second point. My second point was going to be that they kind of lucked out. I think if the Celtics played the Nets, I, I, hundred percent would have subscribed to the belief that they were in trouble. But the Pacers without Victor Oladipo, they just have. I, I just feel like they have nobody who can shoulder that that playoff load that just that guy you need. I feel like they're kind of in the same place uh, the Clippers are in. Like they're a good team, and it's a really good launching spot. Like it's a good thing to build off of. It's just super unfortunate that they don't have their guy. Um, so to me, yeah, I, I think it is a lock for the Celtics, but only because. Uh, they lucked out seeding wise. The opposite of the Rockets. They got the easiest five seed rather exactly. than the hardest five seed of all time, maybe. Exactly. That's a, obviously a bold statement. But, Duff, how do you feel about your Celtics as well, since you're just going to be a flat, <laughs> flat in today's podcast? <laughs> I, could, I could see this series going. Like, I think this Celtics going to feel like going to like seven games they have to win it in, and the teams are just kind of like swapping like home wins, basically how they did against the. Celtics sitting against the Bucks last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could honestly see the Celtics dropping like the first game, kind of like the Cavs did last year. But I, I really see th- that parallel coming through this year too, where it just goes like six or seven when it really should just go four with the amount of talent that the that the Celtics have. I mean, that's certainly not out of the out of the realm of possibility where they could just sweep this like so hard because they yeah. just have the talent. But all season long, they have not been able to put it together. I forget what their exact over-under number was. It was somewhere between 58 and 62 games. I want to say it was like 58. It was up there. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and they didn't even win 50. So they yeah. underperformed their, their over-under by like 10 games, which is just so like embarrassing considering all the talent they have. And I don't know what it is or how they fix it. I mean, Brad Stevens always been a guy to play things close to the best and just not show any type of emotion or panic towards anything whatsoever. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think it's, I think to me, the most interesting part of this, this whole series, because like I said, I think it's a lock. I, I just think it's like uh rotationally, how the Celtics, how the Celtics go, like who, who they're going to cut out. And if it's going to be kind of like, honestly, kind of like how it was back in the day, like uh, w- with that, when they had their big three, like, are they going to kind of like platoon the bench? Like a couple of games will be this guys. And then a couple of games will be the next guys. Cause like, I think one thing that comes to my mind is like Nate Robinson putting up like 
40 points in like a game six. And then I don't even think he played in game seven. They used like James Posey instead of him or something crazy like Eddie that. House. Eddie House. Eddie, Eddie House. Eddie House, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie so House. Like, so like I'm interested to see if they, they pick, you know, nine guys or 10 guys and, and that's that's it. Or if they kind of try and do the same thing as last year and, and you know, I guess just in kind of the past where they – they platoon the the last two spots of the bench. Yeah, and I'm an advocate of Marcus Smart, but just and it's not a Marcus Smart thing. It's more of a rotation thing. Well, there's no Marcus Smart in this series. That, that's what yeah, I was. Gonna, that's what I was. That's what I was going to say. Anybody being out of the rotation helps everybody else, right? It may not help the team to not have Marcus Smart, but it may help the team if the minutes are more concentrated on Jalen Brown, or now the minutes are more concentrated on Rozier or, or Tatum, et cetera. So it's not a Marcus Smart thing. It's just a pure rotation thing that them yep. having minus one can give them pluses in other parts of the rotation. So I, I think is more. they're fine. They're, yeah, bless is more for the Celtics. Kyrie has been absolutely balling out this year. Some of his numbers, I was listening on low. His his clutch numbers on low post read. Oh my God, they're ridiculous! Shooting like fifty over fifty percent in clutch moments, like twenty nine of forty. Yeah, I think it's close like to like sixty. I think it's like fifty nine percent. I think it was like twenty nine of forty nine in clutch moments this year. Like just stupid, and I expect him to ball out. Um, Celtics are going to take this in, in in five. I think. I think they're not going to mess around too much. But all right, Agreed. shout out, shout out to the Pacers. I think we can move. Yeah, if if the Pacers win this, it's it's too bad that Nate McMillan won Coach of the Year award. Yeah, Nate McMillan will he'll definitely grab some votes for Coach of the Year, but he's not going to win it, unfortunately. Um, Frank, okay. you are you captaining? Or are you still handing? No, no, I, I I have given the keys permanently to you. All right, taking them out of Duff's hand, basically. So, so uh, as captain, I will just add again: we've gone through half of the series so far. Thank you guys for listening. Right now, we're going deep into this stuff. We're having fun. We're debating. We're making our picks, and hopefully, you're here to enjoy the ride. The players are here. It's a fantastic time to be alive. Fantastic time to listen to the Ask Me Why podcast. So, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in and sticking with us through this long one. Um, but let's move on to the series I want to talk about before, which is the Denver Nuggets and San Antonio Spurs. It's a 2-7 matchup, but it's a, a specific type of 2-7 matchup where the two-seed has been kind of slipping, has very little to none playoff experience, little to no playoff experience, if we're being grammatically correct. And the Spurs are led by the most experienced coach. They have some guys in DeRozan and Aldridge who have been – best players in playoff games before and a bunch of uh, role players who know what they're doing, know their role and are good at it. Are we rolling with Jokic and the young nuggets or are we rolling with pop and the old heads? What's going on here? Are we nervous for the nuggets? I am. And I kind of hate that I am because they've been so good this year, but like we keep talking about this, right? We keep talking about the matchup, the matchup, the matchup again. I feel like, the West played out in, in such a, a great fashion. Like the only one I really think is no contest is one eight. Uh, but besides that, I think they all will be fun to watch. Like just in general, I think they could all go, you know, six or seven games. And I think this one's no different. And obviously there's a huge talent gap, skill gap, whatever you want to call it. The nuggets are loaded with guys that other teams would be like chomping at the bit to get. Whereas the Spurs are just milking every last drop out of out of seemingly anybody they can get their hands on, uh, pulling guys out of nowhere like uh like this Bryn Forbes guy or like even like Davis Bertans like guys like that like 
somehow pops turns these guys into productive NBA players. And it's just, it's not always the sexiest. It's not always the funnest to watch, but like year after year, they're there and they know how to handle the moment probably better than any other team. They've been in every single situation under pop. They've been the favorites. They've been the underdogs. So yeah, I I do think this is a very interesting matchup, but at the end of the day, I, I, I just think talent is going to overwhelm this matchup. I don't see LaMarcus Aldridge being stifling enough defensively to to stop the Joker from doing what he's got to do to get that Nuggets team uh, in flow and where they got to be. Uh, by no means do I think it's a walk in the park like a 2-7 matchup can be. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Nuggets scratch out and probably win like Six games. That's that's my that's my prediction. Yeah, weirdly, the Spurs with no real individually great defenders have a sneaky, really great team defense, which is not shocking at all. But can, nope. <laughs> like, I can see, I can see Jokic having fits. Um, what'd you say, six or seven? I said six. 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 Yeah. yeah. Nuggets and six. Duff, how are you feeling about this? I think they're just gonna swap, uh, swap wins. Like whoever the home team is is gonna win. If if you look at the record. The, the Nuggets, I think they had the best, yeah, they had the best home record in the league at 34 and 7. Um, and then the Spurs had the tied for the third best home record in the league at 32 and 9. So they're, they're both dominant at home, especially the Nuggets, like over the course of history, have always been like that. Just the altitude, the home court advantage, my high city, blah, blah, blah. But they've both been pretty bad on the road. Nuggets under 500, uh, and the Spurs like 16 and 25 on the road. That's kind of uh, like uncharacteristic of a Popovich team. But again, this has been one of the lesser yeah. talented, probably the least talented Pop what? team in the past 20 years. Oh, yeah. um, and they're still in the playoffs, so good on them. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this went seven. Like you know. Maybe if the Nuggets steal a steal a game in the three four matchup or the, in games three and four, they can do it in five. But uh, if they don't win a game three or game four, uh, I think it's going to go seven, and the Nuggets win. So none of you are going to go with the upset. No, I am not. No, I've I did, they still have Demar Derozan, man. Like I can't I can't forget just because he's in a, a, a different jersey doesn't mean he's a different person. Yeah, but Derozan ain't playing against LeBron. He ain't, and you know they've won many. They've won many first round season uh, series before. You know, so, uh, so just just because LeBron's not going to point out their rotations to 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 Demar Derozan, they they have a better chance. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, exactly. Though, <laughs> no, 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 for real. No. Like, all right, so my thing is, and I'm a huge Jokic guy, love watching Nuggets, probably one of the teams I've watched most of this year. Um, great my, great league pass team. Good. Great, just phenomenal Good league point. pass team. Sneaky amount of uh, national games this year as well. And Jokic can oh, really, he can get overwhelmed, and there are games where he doesn't look to score. There are games he waits till the fourth quarter to score. There, He just has, like, overwhelming moments. Well, it's usually guys like Rudy Gobert, and I get that Lamarcus Aldridge is not that guy. But DeMarcus from a Cousins team, also got him. from a yeah, Demarcus Cousins got him from a team defense standpoint. I think the Spurs can slow him down, give him fits, make him uncomfortable, something. And I'm just thinking this Nuggets team, outside of Paul Millsap, has like no playoff experience whatsoever, um, and that Isaiah makes Thomas, me nervous. Don't 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 discredit my man, it. 
Well, it is not in the rotation right now. So unless yeah, he gets still, in the rotation, right? like, like, nah, like, he's not like an influence guy. Like people aren't going to be. Oh, get out of here! No one looks up to Isaiah Thomas. Literally, no one. Okay, maybe physically, but I guarantee <laughs> some of those guys do. Uh, to me, it's like um, I can't remember his goddamn name. He was on the the Heat team with LeBron, Dwayne James Wade, Jones. and, and Bosh. Never played big man. Uh, Juwan Howard, Udonis Haslam. No, not Udonis Haslam. Juwan Howard? Maybe. Yeah, probably Juwan Howard. Just like you know, like from the Fab Five. You look like Will Smith. Yes, but like really tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, like, he definitely was like a like not. I can't believe we just had to explain to you who Juwan Howard was. He, I mean, I just forgot, man. Uh, he he like he he helped them figure it out. You know what I mean? And I think it is someone who's like that. Like even besides like playoffs, right? Like just somebody who's gotten the short end of stick in life. Uh, battled to where he's gotten. Like that that's something these guys definitely draw off of. I think he he will make a yeah. difference, probably not on the court, but in the locker. All right, definitely thinks that's that's cute. You know, we'll see. They're, they have listen. The the point I'm just trying to make is we're saying they have no experience, but they they do have some guys with experience. So I, I don't yeah. think it's a total no. loss. Yeah, Millsap has experience. It has experience. Um, but I don't think Jokic has zero. Jamal Murray has zero. Um, Will Barton has zero. Obviously, Monty Morris and Malik Beasley have zero. Juancho Hernan Gomez has zero. And these are all their main players outside of Millsap. Mason Plumley has a little bit. Um, and he's actually sneaky effective uh, for, for spurts. So Mason Plumley is a guy like... Is he what on are we steroids, saying? by the way? I feel like he's on steroids. Yeah, he still jumps really high for a guy who's been in the league for a while and he, is white. Does he also not just get like really, really angry sometimes at like stuff that you think is like not that angry? Can't say, can't say I've noticed specifically, but I'll keep an eye out. I will. Yeah, keep yeah, an eye on I want, I want all of the say. listeners. I want all the listeners to keep an eye on it. I think this guy is juicing. And like obviously, I don't care. Does he got know, like, Does he got back knee? I I don't pay that close attention, to be honest. <laughs> well, you should. But then. like the the anger that he plays with, and he's like a big dude, you know. He's he's like ripped, so I, I could definitely see him being on like some kind of some, some kind of hormone or something. Yeah, but. Zach Harper would say he's got that. He got healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like he like, got healthy. T- Tyler Hansborough. I don't know. I don't want to like you know be so slanderous and shit, but like that guy played on something. You know, there's no way you take an elbow to the face that breaks your nose and you like don't even blink. That guy is high on life, bro. If he's if there's anybody in the league, <laughs> or who, meth. there's anybody. I was convinced he was on cocaine for years. If there's anybody <laughs> who saying, I can I'm put my life on isn't on drugs, it's Tyler Hands, bro, and and Tim yeah. Tebow. Those are the two guys who are just filled with passion for for no reason whatsoever. Um, I'm gonna go out here and say. Spurs in seven, but I don't feel good wow. about it. I don't feel good at all about it. But I just Are like you doing it just to be contrarian, kinda. But I think flapping, it, You're I think, flapping. Yeah, I think dude, it's I think on. it's flapping. I think you it's think legit. I'm gonna get on Duff, but not you. You know what's funny? Oh. No, I don't know. I can sneaky. I can sneaky see it happen. I think. I think we all can because it's like the the old head playing against you know the young whippersnapper. Like if I'm a betting yeah. man, which I may be, I'm gonna put money on the Nuggets <laughs> to win the series. But like. I really believe the Spurs have a legitimate shot here. And I think it's going minimum six. Minimum six. So, we'll see. All right. Let's bounce across back to the Eastern Conference. We're going to leave the 1-8s for the last 
series we talk about. We're going to talk about the other two seven across the way. Toronto Raptors, Orlando Magic, um, Kawhi Leonard. Actually, let me just say this too. since For these last three series, by the way, right? Warriors, Clippers, Milwaukee versus Pistons, Toronto versus Orlando. There's no upsets, right? There's no upsets happening here. Nothing to see here, folks. Business as usual. So maybe we can shout out the Clippers. We'll shout out the Magic. We'll shout out the Pistons. We'll give them, a, give them, throw them a bone, if you will. But when we when we talk about those other three teams, I kind of want to talk like long term here, like uh, moving okay. forward. I want to give them that. And uh, I think I've come to this conclusion when it comes to the Eastern Conference, and not who I think is going to win, but who I want to win. And I, I kind of want Kawhi Leonard to just show up and be like, you know, all this regular season stuff that you guys pulled off was really cute. But, like, I've been in the zero-gravity chamber with Goku and just training really hard and, like, taking <laughs> taking days off just so I can literally wipe you guys all up right now. Like, I'm the best player in the conference. So, and then even if he wins the Eastern Conference, makes it to the finals, then he still leaves because he doesn't care. And I think he is just going to dominate. That's how I'm feeling about the Raptors right now. And shouts to Spicy P, Pascal Siakam, always. Yo, okay. So, I love Pascal Siakam. Like, I really do. I think... The story, uh, like, definitely, it just adds, like, mysticism to it. This guy's been playing basketball, like, I don't even know how long, like, eight years, maybe. Something stupid like that, and he's this damn good. Like, he's fun to watch. He does so much. Uh, obviously, this first series is kind of, like, no contest. Um, but, I, I, like, I, I'm looking at one thing, and I know... I guess a lot of people don't believe in stuff like this, but I kind of do. Like, I want to see if it's the curse of the Raptors. You know, maybe it's not just DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Maybe it's Canada. You know? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to see. I want to see if it's real. You know, like, maybe maybe it's just... Maybe it's just Canada, man. That's 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 all I have to say about that. I'm such a fan of that take. I honestly, like, I, I... I've died on the Raptors Hill so many times and I know it's it's different this time. But I still can't put myself on the hill. I, I, I can't. Like I just can't. I, I was sitting here on this podcast last year saying those exact words, it's different this time. Last year. I said it. I'll I'll own it. I said it. It wasn't different. It was exactly the same. <laughs> it might be I know, but it, I, it might just be is, Canada. We both were. I was right there. I picked the Raptors in seven, I'm pretty sure, and I got so mad when they were blown getting blown out. Just like wouldn't even watch. <laughs> The first game. Depressing. The first game. The first game was. So I remember the first game. I like. I like took a nap in the third quarter. I just felt so defeated. This is just it. This is, I don't it, really it, care. It, it honestly, it, it got to the point where it was a training because that was kind of like a team when the Knicks were out of it. They, like, obviously, they actually are kind of a direct rival. Like, I just didn't have any animosity towards them, and I kind of liked the DeRozan and Larry, so it was like easy to get on. board. And and I just I died on the hill so many times, and that same dinosaur is on that same unit in that same city. I just can't do it. Can't. It's fair. It's fair. Um, anything to shout about the magic real quick before we finish the Raptors up? I don't even know. Vucevic. No, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this team. They lose to like the Knicks and teams of that caliber, but then they'll go out and like beat the Warriors like absolute anomaly of a franchise and the team is so reflective of that this year um just just move them just get them get them out of Orlando 
I don't just care. move them, dude. Playoffs. After they just won, out. they just won their division. I hope there's I one not, Magic fan you, who. You know how much this. I don't care? Zero. This much. <laughs> I want to shout out Steve Clifford real quick, just because right. uh, he went. Yeah, he went. He went to the Magic, and then the Hornets didn't make the playoffs. And they won the division. It is strong. Yeah, it's actually kind of mind-boggling. Strong, um, strong power play out of Steve Clifford, for sure. But like, I don't even know. Like, what else could you even talk about? Like, what? Yeah. Where's Mo Bamba? Like, like, wasn't that supposed to be something we were talking about? We can, we can, yeah, we can talk about That's how something you were supposed to talk about for sure. We can. Talk, yeah, I know. We can, I know. We can I'll, talk. I will, I will definitely own up to that one. We can Hell talk yeah, about the redraft of uh, this 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 uh, twenty eighteen draft class and say how Mitchell Robinson would be picked instead of Mo Bamba. Hell yeah! It's so easily too. It's not even. Yeah, and that's wow. that's, that's I, like I injuries aside too. I feel bad about it. Um, I mean, I guess Terrence Ross might do a cool dunk. Um, Aaron Gordon might do a cool dunk. Vucevic will <laughs> score twenty points. Like that. That'll be it. All right, moving on. A couple of post ups. Raptors. Yeah. Um, added Marcus All. Added Jeremy Lin to their bench. That could help a little bit. But we we know it's about Leonard. It's about Siakam. It's about Kyle Lowry. Um, and Danny Green, sneaky, sneaky Danny Green. I mean, those three—not Lowry, the other three—Siakam, Leonard, and Danny Green—are three of the best defenders we have in this league. They're switchable. Yep. They can shut down guards. They can shut down wings. Um, Leonard and Siakam can guard some fours. Uh, they're really versatile. They're good. They're really good. And I think the Sixers are a tough matchup for them, just because there's so many guys they can come at them with. Um, but I think the Raptors have a real chance to be almost chilling all the way to the conference finals, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, well, who if, hypothetically, who's the second round matchup for them? It would be the, the Sixers. It would be the Sixers. It would be the Sixers or the Nets. Or the Nets, yeah. Oh, I'm like, yeah, it's the Sixers. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that to me, that's a lock on the Sixers. Oh yeah. You like the Sixers there? Yeah, I do. Against the Raptors? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow, strong. Yes. Strong. Um, I don't know. I you know, I, I feel like Toby and Bobby. Um like I don't know if we've actually seen the impact yet. I know obviously they play differently than when they didn't have those guys to when they do now, but um I I like both of those players, honestly. Like obviously Bobon's not as important. Um but like I, I Toby I think adds like a really cool aspect for the playoffs. Uh, just in terms of like staggering minutes for the stars, and I think that that's going to go a long way. I know the Raptors kind of beat up on them in the regular season, but it's it's still not the same team that they were beating up on. That's true. Which is crazy. That's true. Say. All right, let's move on. We have our one versus eight matchups left in each conference. Um, I think everyone can agree, not going to be much competition between the Bucks and the Pistons. I mean, Blake Griffin. Sweet. Can what sweep? Clean sweep. Sweep. Yeah, you know. sweep. I think it's sweep on both ends, honestly, no? Yeah. The Clippers, I mean, the Clippers I, I could see sweeping. the Clippers snagging one. But Absolutely. The Clippers can snag it. one. Um, I but, don't see that, it. but that's it. I, just don't see it. I feel like, see, like, it's, it's like, it's like a thing. Like, I, we said, I said it about the Sixers earlier. Like, there's so much of this media drama and crap around the Warriors, right? Like, and, and a lot of it's real. And sure, I'm sure a lot of it's warranted, but like, I feel like, Come playoff time, just like I don't know. I feel like we we all had to have. I know I've been on teams before that like maybe we're not the closest team, maybe we're not the best of friends, but like 
when, when the when the marbles are on the line, like that stuff just just falls away. It just does, you know. Like I, I don't see it being a problem for them. I I, I don't. The, the Warriors are going to do what the Warriors do, baby. They're going to run through this Western Conference. You know why? Because the starting lineup is better than it's ever been. And I don't know why that, like, that attracts detractors uh, somehow. But um, the Warriors are still the favorite. I, and I don't get it. I, I don't get how people think. Like, I mean, I, I guess I kind of subscribe to it, too. Like, DeMarcus Cousins is a train wreck of a human being. But, like, let's be real. It's playoff time. Uh, and if he's doing shit, they just won't tolerate it. They have other guys. Let's just be like Kavon Looney. They win with Kavon Looney. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. I, I think Durant is just no matter what goes on in the outside world, and this is something that Knicks fans can hopefully look forward to if he chooses to come here, no matter what's going on drama-wise, the dude shows up and plays basketball and just balls out. He does not let the drama affect his on-court play, and that's – pretty admiral and doesn't get really talked about to be honest there's yeah. tons of off-court drama but it doesn't seem to affect him specifically on the court uh and steph the same clay the same and that's really all you can ask for and steph's been absolutely insane this year and he could see so he could I mean, see now bro oh my god I, I honestly i don't get about it because it's like it's ridiculous it's just ridiculous it's like fake yeah. Fake news. Get it out of my face. What kind of all right, so let, let's uh let's end this up soon. We're gonna close out soon, but uh we gotta talk about the Bucks in a hot second. Any shouts worthy for the Clippers? I, I know there's some guys in there I really like. Uh, any anybody stand out for you? Um Lou Williams, obviously. Yeah. Dino Gallinari, Montrez Harrell. I think him I think, versus Draymond Green. I actually think that's a good chance for the Clippers, just Montrez Harrell, your one job, uh you and P just like try to get Draymond Green in a fight. Just suspend him. Just get him yeah. suspended. <laughs> just get both of them suspended. Like Montrez, you get Boogie in a fight. P. Bev, you get Draymond in a fight, and so that's good. our best chance. That would be so good. No, um, no Boogie, no Draymond. They Steph and Clay just go off. No, they definitely <laughs> they just try to turn the series into a street fight. Um, I guess my one point about the Clippers is that you can't individually shout out one guy because Ooh, nice. it that's really deep. did take every single one of them to do what they did this year, and. That's super impressive. Not a lot of teams can come together like that in the face of a lot of people telling them they can't and they won't. So that's very admirable. Uh, I know one person on this podcast really, really likes to hate on Doc Rivers. Um, Who's that? Uh, that'd be my friend Duff. Oh. Uh, but I think a so lot Doc. of credit has to go to him this year, and I think he kind of proved his mettle. I agree. I mean, he's going to get votes for Coach of the Year. I think it's really cool for Shea Gilgis Alexander to fly under the radar and just be a starting point guard with good numbers on a playoff team that if they were in the East, they would be like the sixth seed. <laughs> like they, they would be the, maybe the fifth seed in the East, and he's been really good. Like You can argue his numbers aren't as good, but you can argue he's better than Trey Young right now, even though Trey Young has got the hype and the numbers. Um, so shouts to Shea Gilders Alexander. How about the trades that that the Clippers have sneakily pulled off and just added Landry Shamit and did Zubach for for nothing? 
Montrez, that was so weird. So weird. Like, and Montrez Harrell's been awesome. Gallinari reminded us that when he's on the court, he's a he's a top notch player in this league and can put up twenty on anybody. They're gonna give a good fight. They're gonna give the Warriors some fits. It's just it's gonna be a five game series at best. So shouts to the Clippers and they have the cap space. They can be a real real player come this summer. Let's talk about our last uh, series though. Unless Duff, you have anything last with Clippers? I don't want to cut you. No, nah, I'm good. All right. Sweet. Cool, sweep. Uh, Bucks, Pistons, sweep. Um, what I do want to ask though about the Bucks, Malcolm Brogdon is hurt. Nikola Mirotic is banged up. Uh, are we nervous moving forward, moving past the Pistons about the depth, which made them so good all year, especially a guy shooting 50, 40, 90 like Malcolm Brogdon? Um, where do the nerves lie with the Bucks if they do exist? Duff, take it. In this round? No, no, no. Moving forward. Overall. Oh, moving forward. I think, honestly, I'm not sure they're nervous at all. Like, Giannis has a like a real coach during these playoff series. Is not who's not an accountant. Um, I think <laughs> he's really confident in what the team. What was that guy's name? Joe Pronti. Joe Pronti. Oh my god. Yeah, he's still on. Uh, I forget what's what's the guy who who coaches the Suns like. Igor Kokoshkov. Kokoshkov. That's what I thought it was, but it sounded too. Um, he he's the coach of the Suns and Joe Pronti. So, David, you're going to the Suns, please. Um, I think they have all the tools. Like, that you think what Bud's done with this team, like, and why he's going to win Coach of the Year. Giannis is going to win the MVP, probably. He's the, certainly the favorite. Um, Chris Middleton gets his first All-Star. Splash Mountain emerges. That is Brooke Lopez. Hell yeah. Malcolm Brogdon has, like, a 50 40 90 but he's hurt right and now. He's hurt. I I know, I know. But like, this is just the type of confidence that they have around them. Like, they, they everyone on the team this is, is playing their best basketball. Yeah. Like, that's the yeah. point I'm, I'm basically getting to. Like, even Eric Bledsoe, they they brought in Miritich, who's going to be back for the playoffs. Like, everyone on that on that squad is really empowered to be that their best selves. And there hasn't been one moment this entire year where I felt like they've been out of sync in any way, shape, or form. So. I honestly feel like they're going into this playoff, uh, into these playoffs with absolutely no fear, and I, I see no reason why I should be nervous for them. Like I, I, I there's nothing about their game that would make me nervous at this point. So, Frank, so oh, okay. yeah, uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it all out right now, okay? Because I don't know how we're gonna do it in the future after it unfolds. I'm, I'm throwing it out there now. I want my, my expectations or whatever my my opinions be known uh i think the bucks represent the east in in the finals this year uh i think those injuries do make a difference um specifically malcolm brogdon uh he's been super effective for them this year and you know he doesn't get enough credit like 50 40 90 is 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 something that should not be slept on and and it is in his case which is crazy um but I think, to the point Duff said, like, Hoser's got these guys to a point where they're all basketball happy. And in a, in a season where all you hear is about how unhappy everybody is where they are, uh, and, and again, even on a top team like the Warriors, um, to see a top team just be – look like a top team. Like, you know, like they have fun with each other. They're out there dominating people. They have the point differential. They get to sit on the bench in quarters and, and laugh, you know, like – that goes a long way in my mind. Like that, that sticks to me. That's not fluky. 
to me, if if the Nuggets had finished the season out how the the Bucks did, I I would have felt so much more confident in that team, even with no experience. Because like Bucks do have some experience, but um, it's losing experience, which I you know I guess you learn the most from losing. But regardless, you know like they're gonna be in a position they've never been in before, and that not I don't think a single guy on that team has been even to the to the conference finals. If I'm wrong. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I don't, they're I don't think be, you're wrong. I don't think I am either. Uh, they're, so they're going to be in some uncharted territories, but I think they are in the best position to face, uh, adversity and something like that because they are a team, uh, with, you know, obviously both teams, the only thing that can stop them, I think is, is significant injury. So let me, let me ask you this, Frank, and then we'll close out our podcast today. What is, or who are, or who is? I don't know what the right wording is there. What team would you be most afraid of? The team I'm most afraid of is the team I have in the Eastern Conference Finals. No, no, I'm saying from the, if you're the Bucks, what team are you most afraid of in the East? Oh, okay, yeah, the the Sixers. Um, the, the Sixers, really? In, in that Eastern Conference Finals, yeah, I just think like the emotions that play out, right? Like there, there is something real and tangible between Joel Embiid and Giannis, like. They're not friends on the court, and they're not friends off the court. I'm pretty sure. Like and Simmons and Giannis too. Yeah, and like just between that's like those, a sneaky rivalry. Just between those teams in general, there's absolutely no love lost, and and that goes a long way in a playoff series. Like emotions are going to run high. Eric Bledsoe got thrown out of a game at the end of the season versus you know it's like who's to say emotions don't run high in a playoff game where you know the stakes are even higher. So. I think like a team like that, specifically Embiid and a couple guys, they they can they can get under the skin of some of the Bucks players and throw them off. And I think that is the biggest uh, monster, I guess, to the Bucks is like if they don't play their game, they might be in trouble. Yeah, I think I'll just add with the other two competitors from the East, the Celtics and the Raptors, what they have as well against the Bucks is just multiple options to throw at Giannis, especially the Raptors. So think about throwing at Giannis a mixture of Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, sneaky Serge Ibaka, who has the size and strength, occasionally a smaller guy, Danny Green, could uh, help, could could start there and then get some help ac- across uh, over the top. Even, so sneaky, sneaky Raptors. Even Gasol. Even Gasol. Gasol's definitely slow, but he knows what to do, and he could be sneaky there. They even have a lot Saul of options. Defensive player of the year if you he can't take it. Yeah, but he, that was you know a what I'm saying? different Gasol, but I feel you. And then also on the Celtics front, Al Horford has been one of the toughest people for Giannis to, to really get off on. And then you throw a mixture of Tatum. You throw a mixture of a strong Aaron Baines and just force Giannis to shoot. It's possible that they can give him some fits too, but Sixers have some, some sneaky personnel with Simmons and Embiid as well. Um, and I think, I think Giannis said pretty straightforward. He's like, I'd rather go against... Uh, Simmons, he's like I could take him easily. Is that was that was that right? I think I remember. Uh, I, I did not. Yeah, that was that. yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. Is yeah. basically he was like I'd rather they, go. They tried that and it didn't work, and I was able to create for my teammates. Exactly. So interesting. Um, I, I think I think we got some good playoff stuff coming up. These games are going to be awesome. The Western Conference is going to be great early and continue throughout. I think the East first round is going to be okay. And then fantastic starting round two. Uh, I got a lot, a lot to look forward to. Um, let's do our one last word today. Something we're looking forward to uh, for the rest of these playoffs. Duh. I'm just looking forward to the playoffs in general. I'm over the regular season. 
it was a long year. Got jump started by the Jimmy Butler thing. We kind of had a false, start, but I'm ready now. I'm ready for the playoffs. I'm, I'm reinvigorated. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in the same boat. I'm ready for the playoffs. Uh, the, the one thing I'm ready to see, I know it doesn't matter, but uh, I want to see who validates people. It really takes the step in the playoffs. Like, is Harden going to average 40 or, like, Giannis going to average 35, 10, and, and you know, or, sorry, 35, 14, and 8? Like, you know, I want, I want to see who takes that next step. I feel that. Whatever, who, who's going to show out? Who's going to make it? Known that they weren't fluking or they weren't fronting on the regular season, they can do it when it matters most. Harden has a label. It's a little weird that he's a choker. People firmly believe it. I've been getting the gifts. They're sending me Reggie Miller gifts. My friends are sending me Reggie Miller choking, <laughs> choking me out because of James Harden. They think it's going to happen again. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Giannis, can the Bucks take the next step? Can the Celtics get it together? Because when they do, they can be the most dangerous team in the East. The Sixers, tons of talent. In the West, like in the Rockets or Jazz or Thunder, really give the Warriors a run for their money. Guys, the NBA playoffs is here. Sports Blog New York podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I mean, it means the world to us. To anybody who stays for an hour and a half of this episode or for 45 minutes of this episode, shout out to you. Shout out us if you do like the show on iTunes Apple Podcast app. It means the world to us been a fun season but the real season starts now nba playoffs right here next